Welcome to the Top Order Podcast, recording here in Auckland on this Thursday evening. We're going to talk IPL, changes to the World Test Championship venue, New Zealand, Bangladesh. The domestic season rolls on. England, India, three T20s deep. We'll talk a little bit of West Indies cricket as well and some serious overs bowled by Rashid Khan in Afghanistan, Zimbabwe. That all coming up on the Top Order Podcast. Stay tuned. So the power of the BCCI, Sarav Ganguly announcing the venue change for the World Test Championship before it was really official news, said it had been in the pipeline for a a decent period of time. But it looks as if they're making that call based on the bio bubble down in the Aegeus Bowl. So there's a golf course, hotel, um, other accoutrements for the players in that World Test Championship. Take the gloss off a little bit for you Kiwi boys playing in Southampton instead of St John's Wood. Uh, makes no difference to me in terms of uh, kind of where they're playing. There is a few conspiracy theorists out there suggesting that this is this venue is uh, the most spin friendly venue in England. Can you can you back that up, Binksy? Well, look, it certainly um, has been known to spin a little bit, but I think the main reason for me is that it is a biosecure venue rather than right in the heart of northwest London. So I think that that will be the reason and. I just wonder whether or not actually when the day and age that we're in right now where you've got security consultants and health consultants and medical professionals all getting involved in this, they're not just thinking about this purely from what ground can definitely host that game if there's still um, any COVID around, which the reality is there will be in uh, in the UK in June when this takes place. Uh, taking gloss off it, for me, yes, it does take gloss off it. I would like to play at Lords, the home of cricket. Uh, but I mean, I don't, I don't. It's not a deal breaker for me. I'm not that hung up on it. I, I heard that thing about taking spin as well. I don't think it's going to be that much of a. I mean, with that time in England, is it going to be? That's more towards the beginning, isn't it, of the season? Yeah, look, it is more towards the beginning of the season. So you'd expect any moisture in the wicket still going to be, still going to be there. So um, look. I would say I don't think it's necessarily the best test venue in England and I think that I'd be borne out by the fact that we've got seven or eight games that you can play test cricket at and the Aegeus Bowl has missed out um, over a number of summers from having a regular test match. It's sporadically hosted test match cricket. Um, really nice ground, you know, bowl effect, decent stands, really good facilities uh, for the players. But yeah, for me, it's it's just about that hotel piece. I think they'll... They'll put together a pretty good CEO's wicket, I would have thought, to try and get a five-day test match. Yeah, we'll look at it. We'll look at it in a much closer detail uh, when the time comes. But you know, as we said, now we've confirmed that it's going to be India, New Zealand, and very exciting. I mean, last time New Zealand played India, uh, we got we absolutely demolished them. So I feel you know relatively confident in in terms of the New Zealanders' ability to play in those conditions and, uh, yeah, obviously closer to the time, we'll, we'll investigate it a little further. Some serious overs bowled by Rashid Khan. So, Lippy, your eyes would be lighting up as a spinner, being able to bowl hundreds of overs in a game, wouldn't, it, wouldn't you? Oh, if I could have bowled 99.2 overs uh, across five days, I would have been pretty pretty excited at, at that opportunity. And, I mean, it's just great for Afghanistan cricketer to be Firstly, playing test matches and in Zimbabwe as well, we should mention them. Uh, you know, it's a very even contest, this test series, one apiece. And we want we want more opportunities for these associate nations and, and test playing nations to be uh, in the bright lights, I suppose. And 
it was it's it's always great as a spinner to to watch spinners bowling big overs. But sixty two point five overs, seven for one hundred and thirty seven in that uh, second innings. Took the took the new pill as well. So, wow, that's hell of a hell of an effort from Rashid Khan. Yeah, it's a bit of a spotlight for me on Sean Williams. I think he batted really well throughout the whole series. He bowled well as well, but he he, he really batted well and, and led from the front in that aspect. Uh, massive runs for the Afghanistanis as well. Yeah, what a turnaround after being bowled out for under 150 in, in the first game in both digs. So, yeah, huge for them to then turn around and, and two guys getting scores of over their whole team totals in that first test. Changes to the West Indies captaincy as well. So we want to talk about this a little bit. Jason Holder, who's been lauded as a pretty decent leader over the course of the last uh, three or four years for the West Indies, making way in the Red Bull format uh, for Craig Brathwaite, what are we? Uh, what are we thinking? I found out about this only a few minutes before we went to air, and I'm quite perplexed at this decision to to replace Jason Holder. I'm not sure why he would keep the one day captaincy and then give up the Test captaincy. Has he given up the one day captaincy as well, Raj? What's the what's the what's the lowdown here? So Karen, Karen Pollard. He's got the one. He's got the yeah, one day captaincy. Right, okay. okay, so Co- Jason Holder is not the captain of West Indies in any format now. Not that I'm aware of, no. And Craig Brathwaite is the captain of the West Indies. That is correct. For the, for the Red Bull. For stuff. the Red Bull stuff. So I guess just some facts okay. around let's, it. Let's, just let's, facts. let's use facts. We love facts. Yeah. yeah, let's have facts. So this this all stems from the fact Jason Holder has been the captain for five and a half years for the West Indies. It's a long time yeah, that's fair. as a Red Bull captain. And he took it at quite a young age. Uh, but age is just a number, isn't that, that right, boys? <laughs> uh, they toured Bangladesh. And uh, a few of the members of the touring parties that had toured the other parts of the world uh, didn't go, uh, Jason Holder being one of those. Craig Braithwaite took control of the test side and you saw the results they had there. They played really well, they batted well, they bowled well and they got the result in, in Bangladesh. Is this stemming from that? Possibly. I think that it's a major factor in the reason that he has been uh, usurped. I don't think that there is... I do... Okay, I think that Jason Holder's not happy about it in private. He's not happy about being usurped as a captain of the the Red Bull team. The other side of this coin is West Indies, having done most of the travelling so far in this COVID-affected world, they've had players pull out. You know, we talked about Batsmen who didn't go to England, players who didn't come to New Zealand. There were also players that didn't go to Bangladesh, and now he's he's been a casualty of that. I, th- I think he's also, you know, as much as we look at him as, a, you know, someone who leads from the front and is a stand-up guy and appears that way, certainly on the field, you know, we don't know him off the field at all. But if you look at their record, it's not very impressive uh, over during his captaincy. And I think, you know, as you said, if, if Brathwaite has come in and, and a new voice has come in and they're, they're starting to respond to that, I, I actually think it's completely fair enough. I'm I'm still confused. I'm still confused by, by Jason Holder has been a great leader for the West Indies for a number of years. Their recent performances aren't to do with whether or not they've got a good leader. They're to do with whether or not they've got the right cattle on the field and they've got enough players that are world-class test-quality cricketers at the same time in the same team. For me, Craig Brathwaite has shown glimpses of promise at test level, but he, for, for mine, he hasn't established himself as a first-choice, lock-in, 
test cricketer to open the batting for the West Indies for a, for a number of years to come. This appointment to the captaincy for him effectively does that, and I'm not sure that he is a lock in that West Indies side. Same question we had around South Africa when we were talking about their captaincy. Yeah, so I, yeah, on your point, Baldy averages um, in the 30s as an opening bat, and he's got a decent enough length of career um, that that's not necessarily going to improve massively. It's going to take him a hell of a lot to get his average up to anywhere near 40, given the amount of test matches he's played. The other thing, and I just think I, I want us all to kind of reflect on this, when was the last time that we've had um, outside, I think, of, uh, of nations where um, politics plays a big part in the way that selection takes um, on the field. When have you had a captain not being the one to stand down and the board of selectors being the one um, to replace him? You look at any anyone else, they're given a run for a period of time and they go out a little bit on their own terms. I think his silence on this speaks volumes that he's not been able to come out after five years in the captaincy, taking a relatively young group of players and actually... Um, probably enhancing the value of them as a as a test cricketing nation that you know they'd gone down this T20 route for a long long time started to install a little bit of pride let's not forget they won the wisdom trophy against England in 2019 under his stewardship um, and there's not been a massive amount of test cricket under the under the covid bridge since then so um yeah i, I just find it really really odd that he's not uh, you know been part of that you know, part of that decision-making process and his, you know, his silence for me is speaking uh, speaking volumes. And I probably should be fair to Craig, Craig Brathwaite. He does average in the 30s in, in Test cricket for the West Indies, but there are very few batsmen in the West Indies scene at the moment that are absolute locks for the next four or five years in that side. Everyone in that side is effectively jostling for position. So maybe, maybe the selectors feel like Brathwaite is the way forward for them uh, over the next couple of years. Good luck to him, I say. But don't, don't you think record... Uh results count I mean Jason Holder has a 60% loss rate as a test captain yes they do but you have to have a look at who he's playing against and, and the cattle that he has at his disposal um, on every single tour that the West Indies go on they've got at least one if not two if not three quality players that for political reasons or COVID reasons or for completely legitimate personal reasons, they're not on the tour. That's not within his control. He can only control the team that he can put on the field that's around him. And to be fair to him, for a lot of for a lot of his test captaincy, he hasn't had a top order, a one, two, three, four, that are averaging anywhere over 35. I mean, we had a look at the West Indies stats on their tour to New Zealand, and I couldn't find anyone that averaged 40 in that West Indies team in first-class cricket or in test cricket in that whole touring party. So their batting is is needs to change if they're going to go, well, we're going to make our captains live and die by his results. I think measuring Jason Holder by whether or not he's won enough test matches for West Indies, given the team that they've had over the last four or five years, is measuring him with the wrong benchmark, with the wrong with the wrong yardstick. If you measure him by whether or not the players are still responding to him and they're not, then it's time for change and you're absolutely right. I'm looking at it from a different position. If I have a CEO, if I was taking this into a business world and they're losing, they're not making profit for five years in a row, as a shareholder, that person's gone. Why is it any different in sport? I know you might you might not have skills in terms of your batting or your bowling. The West Indies have players who are good enough to take on the world. You, if we're going to talk about the series now that they're playing with Sri Lanka. They've wiped the floor with them. And, and we've just seen, you know, I guess under Brathwaite, we've just seen what they were able to do in Bangladesh. 
um, with you know many of those players at home. So I mean, yeah, I, I would be encouraged by what's happened in the in the past few months. But you know, I, I do agree with some of your points about Holder. But yeah, I, I do feel like it's it's a legitimate path that they've taken. Yeah, look, I, I think I'd just probably echo Bordy's points and uh, to find myself agreeing with Bordy is not a position I'm in often. But it's not where at, you want to be, Adam. It, it isn't. Um, it, you know, but from the you know the comment about cattle, which I believe is the Australian word for personnel, um, <laughs> you, you, you know, he is missing. Um, and we're talking about this T20 um, or, or white ball series that's going on right now. At, you know, at its disposal in that team, that you've got the likes of Evan Lewis, who has lit up the the IPL on occasions. You've got the likes of Shy Hope, who, granted, probably has had chances from a Test cricket perspective. You've got uh, Darren Bravo, Nicholas Poor, and Kyron Pollard, none of whom he has had available for him from a Test cricket perspective. The same as an Andre Russell, the same as um, a host of players that are only playing that kind of franchise uh, franchise cricket. And it seems as if. He's been judged on those red ball results where he hasn't had that personnel available to him. So to use your CEO analogy, you know, he's not been able to access the staff on the third and fourth floor, only on the first and second floor. Um, so, Don't you think that could be down to the culture, though? It's driven within the organisation, if we're going to go down this organisational analogy? Yeah, well, so then the CEO, I think, has got to take some responsibility. The coach and get ousted, the coach, just like Jason Holder. The coach has got to take some responsibility. The board have got to take some responsibility. But um, look, I, my two cents, I, I, you know, I like the guy. I think he's done a lot for West Indies cricket. I hope that they can keep that nucleus of some of those younger players. Your Joshua De Silva's. Um, on the Kyle Myers was, uh, was a yeah, breakout recently um, on the field because I think um, you know your Alzari Josephs um, you know th- those kind of guys because I think that that's the future of their uh, of their Red Bull team and I, you know I'd like to see them being competitive. If England went through the same had the same numbers and they had sixty percent loss rate and then they went on a tour and won, wouldn't you go down that route or see if that route was something that could be a fruit in the future? Yeah, look, potentially, but look, I've not had to be in that position. Um, Through the 90s when I was growing up, England were just, they had a 70% loss rate no matter who was captain. I'll take that question because Australia just went through that with Tim Payne. You know, when uh, when Warner and Bancroft and Smith were serving bands, Australia had to pick, not a second 11, but they had to pick guys that where they had no one available. I think it would be pretty pretty harsh to drop Tim Payne now. If well, they were talking about South Africa being his last chance. That's because and he's 37, he, though. Well, but he's That's just not had, because he's he hasn't, hasn't had a good record. It's because he's 37. 100% is because he has, he's had a good record up until this point and he's lost one series. Mm. And all of it, if you look at his last 18 months worth of results, they're pretty good. Mm. Won the Ashes in England, destroyed Pakistan and New Zealand and Australia. Uh, and then now they've lost a series to India. Just I might add. Yeah. And so I think it would be harsh. To, I would be harsh. To, it would be harsh to sack Tim Payne right now, wouldn't but it? But the media's all over him, right? The yeah, holder's been doing the media's, it for five The media's years. not right. That doesn't mean the media's right. <laughs> but holder's been we're doing right it for here, five years. Around this table, we're right. But holder's been doing wrong. it for five years. Why is why is Tim Payne getting two months rope, whereas Holder has got five years? I don't even know the way out of this segment, other than to agree I, with Ross. I, I think I think we've reached a stalemate, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, I think we've all made good points, and I, I think we're going to have to agree to disagree. We often try to work it through to some sort of solution, but I, yeah, I feel that me and Raj here are feeling like it's a justified decision, and well, the two of you it are com- not. It comes down to standards. You've got the good teams who have a standard of being professional and winning games. You've got a team here who's 
at points been lazy, played poor cricket, and they're just letting them keep do it, keep doing it. The selectors have seen some light here and gone, there might be a way forward. Why, why can't we get back to being part of the glory days that we had during the eighties? Well, if that's if that's the way that they're going to go, good luck to them. And yep. if Craig Brathwaite is the man to do it, then that's fantastic for the West Indies. I'm not sure that he's going to finish the, his test career with a batting average over 35, and I think that there are other people in that West Indies setup that may have more talent than he does. But if he's the leader for the team, then good luck to them. There are other teams in the world who don't use that stake. Look at South Africa, Timba Bavuma is probably not going to average over 35 either, and he's the new captain for... There's a difference there, though, in that um, the incumbent captain didn't want the job. Um, so, you know, from the press reports that you're seeing, I, I think Jason Holder feels um, hardly um, or hard done by. Um, but look, I agree with Lippy. I think we, we let's probably... Let's move on. Let's talk, you know, I think it's a case really of, you know, beauty, beauty being in the eye of the Jay Holder. And, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we, we might should. almost need a swish to, to, uh, to take a <laughs> breather here. And Jay Holder. <laughs> well, he's, he's not called Brian, unfortunately, because then it could be B Holder. But um, look, anyway, I think it's time for a swish. And when we're back, we'll talk some IPL. No one wants the dreaded pair. And you don't want to lose out to a DRS. That's the downstairs rainforest situation. So it's more important than ever to look after your pair. Now with Manscaped.com, you'll never nick off, get caught in a slip, or have a dreaded pair again. We were very lucky that the guys at Manscaped have sent us their latest lawnmower 3.0 to try out, and even luckier that they sent us one each. No sharing situations here. So get on to something called their website and check out some of their other product names. Kudos to the marketing department. Top work, chaps. When you visit manscaped.com on your internet machine, you'll save 20% and get free shipping with the special code... Top order at checkout. You know how it works. Get onto your internet machine and dial up manscaped.com and use top order for 20% off with free shipping on all their great product lines. Lads, at the end of the day, a man's home is his castle, so look after the lawn around your castle with the Lawnmower 3.0 and a range of quality accessories. Keep it looking and feeling smooth as a Virat Kohli cover drive. Welcome back. So one nil to Rajiv um, from that segment. I think and we've we've decided. Um, and look, I think we're all in agreement that you know Jason Holder should have you know gone long, 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 long ago. Can I make a point though? I think that Jason Holder has been really mature in the way he's dealt with it. In terms of he's saying, I'm going to be there. I'll help Craig yeah. Braithwaite through this. Mm. And everyone at the end of the day just wants West Indies cricket to be a powerhouse. I do. Though. Yeah, absolutely. So, yep, absolutely. So let's talk some IPL. Big news for Finn Allen, who we've talked up a lot on the podcast. He's been picked up um, in this tournament coming up. And Lippy, the dates have been announced as well for, um, I don't know what it is, IPL 47, WrestleMania (laughs) 14, the, the Royal Rumble in the jungle. Yeah, I can't give you the exact number of IPLs that it's been, but the, the dates have now been announced and it's very, it's not very far away. 9th of April, uh, we kick off with and goes through to the 30th of May, which takes us right through to that series between New Zealand and England, uh, the Test Series. So, I mean, it feels to me like, I guess on the New Zealand side of things, it's going to be an incredibly long time away for those guys who are away on in the IPL and then go straight to the UK after that. Yeah, it's going to be, you're talking three months, you know, four months away when you think about the World Test Championship at the end of that. But, you know, I guess that's a that's a player management thing that 
New Zealand cricket hasn't really had to deal with at the moment. Um, you know, through this COVID time, we've all really been in uh, in New Zealand, and, and it sort of happened in our summer. So, um, but I guess it's a wonderful takeaway that um, you know Finn Allen has been picked up. Josh Felipe stepping down for, for personal reasons uh, from the IPL. And yeah, Finn Allen, it's, it's just an awesome moment for him, I guess, um, just given the fact that he's, he's such a young guy. He's moved down to Wellington. He, you know, was trying to establish himself on the first class scene here and his amazing Super Smash season. And there we go, picked up. Yeah, and it's a great move from RCB to get him into the fold early because I think this is not a pickup for this season. This is a pickup for two, three seasons down the track when Finn Allen's, you know, two or three seasons into his first-class career. And he has that affiliation with RCB over a couple of years. So I think it's a really smart decision for the, for the team, the management team at RCB, to get him into the fold. He's probably not going to play a lot of cricket over the next little while or so. Or you're probably not going to play much cricket at all in this IPL, you wouldn't think. Um, he might play one or two games. but Would Philippe have played, do you think? Well, Philippe f- played in the last edition yeah. of the IPL because they dropped Aaron Finch and yeah. they picked Josh Philippe instead. Um, I don't think that the same thing will happen because I think that the RCB have drafted really well in this current draft um, and they've got a really good side that that probably doesn't need Finn Allen to come in and do a job for them. But given that he's going to be around the setup for two or three years, I think you'll find in two or three years' time he will be featuring for them in a big way. Remind me, who, who kept wicket for RCB? A B A B did yeah. A B that's right. So they had they had Felipe there as a backup. Does Fenelon assume that role as a backup wicketkeeper? Or I, I mean, he's listed he's listed that way. I, I sort of feel the same way as Baldy that he's there for you know for the experience and and the way that RCB did things last year. But um, yeah, it's it's a really interesting debate because you think about some of the players. You know, we've just said Fenelon's had a, a magical season. But you look at all the players on those auction lists when we went through that auction, you know, you think about someone like Devin Conway, you compare the two on paper, there's just no comparison that Devin Conway's just had a tremendous season. He's showing his class every single level that he gets picked up, picked on. Why would RCB go down that line and think about the future when they have a tournament to win right now? That's, that's actually a really good question. I was question. about to ask, where did they get this intel on, on Finale? And just by numbers, it's not even really that close, I don't think, if you look back longitudinally. Oh, wow, good word. Um, but I guess if you look at Conway and you look at his performances so far or over the last little bit, especially for New Zealand, he's been there as that anchor man and he's, he's played through the innings, whereas Finale and his reputation is of a big hitter. That's what they want to see in the IPL, right? They don't want to see someone come and bat 20 overs and, and, and anchor in innings. Or It's a very rare sight. You see someone score 150 batting the whole innings, 160. Yeah, I think you've, you've got to look at a couple of things. And I don't necessarily think he's there just to make up the numbers. You know, I know he's been picked up at a pretty decent base price. I think 20 lakh or something like that. So, you know, it's not as if they're breaking uh, the bank for him. But I think in this day and age, what you're going to get in that situation is some of his black cap counterparts making that kind of call to the management at the RCB. Mike Hessen's obviously involved with RCB. And I've probably said, you know what? This kid's got a little bit about him other than just some serious run scoring form in 
the T20 cricket that we've seen this year, not to, you know, notwithstanding his four day form as well. And they've probably said, you know, from a temperament perspective, this is a kid who can come into a bio bubble, um, who will be good around the group, who will add some energy. And look, who knows if, if he continues to smash it in the nets um, as, as he gets into that bubble. He's, you know, he's as good a chance as anyone else. And we, we've seen franchises be ruthless with their overseas players. They can only obviously play four of them in a game. If one of them's not firing, bang, you, you know, you, you're gone. So, uh, yeah, I don't know whether he's there just to make up the, the numbers, um, but bloody hell, exciting. If he gets a game, I think he'll give a good account of himself. Oh, I don't think he'll be daunted by the occasion at all, and I'm really excited for him. It's excited, fantastic. Really excited for the lad. Oh, and I absolutely, yeah, I 100% hope he gets a crack and... and um, you know, it goes for gold. I think this is, it's just awesome. And it's great for New Zealand cricket to know, I guess, that they're watching the Super Smash in the IPL, you know, because for a long time it feels like New Zealand players have been overlooked and and I guess players uh, that perform really well in the BBL, we've seen it so many times, they, the Australian domestic T20 players getting these huge IPL contracts, sometimes even before they've played international cricket. And now we're seeing Finell, and you know, it's not a, a massive contract, but we've seen someone like Kyle Jamieson, who's just burst onto the scene and hasn't played a huge amount of international cricket, getting a big contract. It's I think New Zealand cricket is building up some momentum and, and recognition around the world, which is really awesome to see. Mm. Well, and you only need to look at the coaching ranks to see that. You've got the likes of Shane Bond, you've got Mike Hessen, you've got Stephen, Stephen Fleming, Fleming who's yep. been involved, but, but Brendan McCullum's been involved. Uh, John Wright's obviously been involved. You've got a hell of a lot. Mm. Um, if you look at it on a per capita, there are more New Zealand coaches in that IPL odd hazard than any any other nation when you look at population and you look at... Gene um, Patel's working with England as well at the moment. Yeah. Dan Vittori's ben been Vittori. involved with, with the Brisbane Heat as well. So ben, there's lots of... He's the Bangladesh spin coach for the tour. There you go, boom. Yeah. So a quick word on the domestic scene. So Plunkett Shield underway um, at the moment. So I think we're day, coming into day two and three of some of those games. Yeah, look, it's just been Can it's Canterbury season just continues outstanding year for them. They've now got a thirty-two point lead uh, in the Plunkett Shield over ND with three rounds to go. ND not in great position on day one in their fixture as we record this. Really, Canterbury, it's it's all in Canterbury's hands here. They've you know they've they've just had a tremendous season and their women are doing the the job as well. They're in the Halliburton-Johnson final this weekend against Auckland at, at the Outer Oval, uh, which pro- promises to be a, a great encounter. So, uh, yeah, get along if you're in the Auckland region. But, yeah, I, I'm just – you can't really say much more about Canterbury. The, the only thing really that they have to worry about, I think, is that they play Central Districts in the uh, two out of the last three rounds. And Central Districts are, I guess, within striking distance if they could win both of those games. But you'd think if Canterbury can – just pick up one more win in this Plunkett Shield, then uh, they'll add to their trophy cabinet. Cool. Well, guys, I think that wraps up this segment. We're going to be back um, to talk about whether it's win the toss, win the game in this India-England T20 series or whether there's a little bit more to it. Back after the swish. And we're back. We're going to talk a little bit about New Zealand-Bangladesh before we delve into the T20 India-England series. A few things um, of note. Lippy, Kane missing for one. Yeah, yeah, so Kane's missing the ODI series. This hip has been troubling him for a long time, and I've seen you know a few murmurings about where, you know how big of a concern is this. We've sort of seen it in the IPL. We've seen it flare up over various times. So it's, I mean, I guess it's always a little bit worrying when when players are missing games. But it does seem like uh, they're erring on the side of caution there. And you know all the big games that we've had 
we've seen Kane Williamson play them in recent times. So I'm not I'm not too concerned about that. I she, think she, I think this is scheduled rest pre World Test Championship, pre IPL for Kane Williamson. It sounds like that to me. Well, either that or Shakira is right and the hips don't lie. <laughs> it is a, it is a very late tour, isn't it? The, the Bangladesh tour. Yeah, it's been pushed back a week. I, I, logistical reasons, I think, um, because you know, for that. But it's going to mean um, when we get the the T20 side named, I, I imagine we're going to see a lot of new names in that. You know, we just talked about Finnell, and I would have thought if he wasn't going to the IPL, he would have been in line for a debut because a bunch of those IPL players, I think they'll already be off mm. quarantining and, and getting ready for, for that tournament by the time the T20s roll around. So, yeah, I, I think it's very much going to be about development. Although, in saying that, the ODI squad has a very similar look to it. The only probably talking point, I would say, is the fact Colin de Gronholm now having surgery on this ankle that's been bothering him. And I think that really, you know, we, I think we talked about him last time and, and how where his role was going to be in the New Zealand white ball setup, and, and this kind of pushes him, I think, a little bit further down there. I, you know, I've seen, I think the question was asked to Gary Stead at the press conference, you know, is, is this the end of Colin de Gronholm's career in, in the New Zealand shirt? And I think that's maybe a bit, a, a bit presumptuous, but Everyone that has come into that setup in that all-rounder spot, the Daryl Mitchells, the, the Jimmy Neeshams, Mitchell, Mitchell Santner, Santner, done a good job. They're, they're all doing a really good job. So it does make it tough for DeGronholm. And if he can't get himself fit enough to get on that plane for the World Test Championship, and you know, then, the, then you've got the T20 World Cup not long after that where he's not going to get a lot of opportunities to, to put himself in the shop window before then. So, yeah, it's a, it's a real blow for him to, to have missed so much of this season. Mm. And age catching up with Ross Taylor as well, or is this just a little niggle in the hamstring, do we think? Well, it sounds like, uh, yeah, so he's going to miss game one. It sounds like uh, it is a niggle that they, they're they pretty hopeful that he'll be back uh, for game two. But uh, again, we've we've had a, a real diet of T20 cricket lately. I think are these the only, their first ODIs of the summer. I think, yeah, they, I are, think, yeah. I, I think they are. Yep, and absolutely. It's sort of going to be weird to watch ODI cricket again after so much T20 cricket. Uh, it's probably um, a format I prefer to T20, but we're going to be, you know, we're actually going to get to see Ross Taylor back in the coloured clothing because we, we just haven't seen him this year with the fact that he's been out of this T20 side. So the, the batting lineup's going to be interesting with no Kane Williamson or Ross Taylor for that first match. So you'd assume Conway drops into three behind Guptill and Nichols. And then you've got the other options you've got here are Chapman, Latham, Latham, and Will Young. Yes, yeah. So Young actually is an interesting one. I think is is Phillips in that squad? Any chance Conway opens the batting? I I actually think no. I actually think that Raj is right, but I think Young might slot in there at three. Chapman has been brought in as your uh, as your replacement for uh, injury cover for Ross Taylor. So I think Young. Has, who's had a really impressive uh, white ball season, uh, obviously known as more of a four-day player in the past but and got his opportunity in the test game. But, yeah, I think I think there might be some temptation to slot Young in there at three and, and Conway have Conway. Conway suddenly, you know, in his ODI debut, is going to kind of be the, the anchor of our, our game, much much like he has been in the, the 2020 stuff. And then you've got Latham at five and then you're starting to get into Nisham Santner and the all-rounders, six, seven, eight. It's yep. still a pretty good-looking side for New Zealand, mm. isn't it? Um, who's going to keep wicket in that side then? 
Uh, is that going to be Latham? Yeah, he's been named as wicketkeeper. Yep. So, okay. so, so Conway won't take the gloves then. No, Latham remains um, the the white ball keeper, and and will get to be the captain as well, which is uh, exciting for him. Yeah, had cool a, for Tom Latham. Had an opportunity to to captain the Test side uh, at various points whenever Kane's been out. So yeah, obviously someone uh, with a lot of leadership potential and has been around the squad a long time. So very very good for him. So let's cross to India. We're back in Ahmedabad for the T20 series between England and India. The Ring of Fire, it's called. So they've got this ring of floodlights around the outside, or sorry, around the inside of the stand, um, which allegedly saw Ben Stokes drop an absolute sitter, was was the rationale behind um, that. What have you guys picked up from uh, from that series so far? Three games deep, England winning at the moment 2-1. I guess my big question, having not seen a huge amount of it, is are India in a bit of trouble here? I mean, we've in terms of their white ball stuff, because I know England is a, a powerful white ball side. They We've talked uh, at length about how they've prioritised their white ball stuff this season and, you know, with an eye to the, the all the World Cups that are coming up. But you... In the way that India sort of dominated that test series, coming out of that, that they're struggling a little bit here, and I feel like they don't quite know what their best eleven is. And that's the thing for India, isn't it? It's fitting all of the guys that they've got available to them now into their best eleven and into their top six in their batting order. I still feel like India haven't quite got that balance just just right yet. Um, KL Rahul's in a bit of a in a bit of a um, a little bit of a spot now, you might say. Um, and, and they've got some question marks around that order. They've got the players there. There's no doubt about that. They've just got to find the right combination um, just now. Let's get on to England before Adam throws another yawn into the mix. I was quite interested in their batting order in the T20s with Roy and Butler at the top of the order, then Milan, then Bairstow, Owen Morgan at five, and then Ben Stokes down at six. Looks like he's settled into the finisher role for England. Is that the lineup that you guys would expect to go forward into the T20 World Cup in India later on in the year with Stokes down the order, or are England holding something back, do you think? And you, we might see Stokes come up the order uh, in that T20 World Cup. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think David Milan has thrown a little bit of a spanner into the works for the England team in their planning for this T20 World Cup. Who would have expected him to be the number one ranked T20 batsman in the world and kind of almost undroppable now from his role at three in that side? You know, he's been going along great guns, uh, runs, you know, little red inker in this this, uh, first game. So, look, I, I think... That's a bit of a problem. I think the use of spin is the other problem as well for England. Really, how, how is it a problem that you've got the world's best T20 batter okay, in so, good form? So let me expand. So uh, the reason I think it's a problem is that Josh Butler for me um, has been a finisher, a clinical finisher, and without wanting to really sort of take the you know take the gloss off players at the top of the order, there's a lot of guys who can go out and take advantage of the first six overs power play. Um, in world cricket and even from an England perspective we've got a couple of guys who can't get in the side who who play that role um, pretty well notably Alex Hales I know we've talked a little bit about on the podcast and I think around the world as well you would see a lot of players who can hit successfully over the top in that power play Butler for me is your perfect finisher Um, he's the guy that can probably bat anywhere from well he can obviously bat anywhere from one in that order but I think he's ideal in that sort of four, five, six spot, depending on the situation of the game, because there isn't anybody for me in world cricket at the moment that's as good as him 
um, at pace in that kind of innings and knowing how to make that risk profile work. So th- that's a, a little bit of an issue. Jason Roy, for me, um, isn't as good a player as Alex Hales and his form's taken a little bit of a dip as well. Uh, notwithstanding that, he's you know found a little bit of form or, or, or hit himself back into a little bit of form in this tournament. The, the difficulty for me is that use of spin. So Adil Rashid has had a shoulder problem for a long, long time. Um, he didn't want to come and play in the test matches and cited the fact that he wasn't 100% confident he was going to get through a lot of overs and that was one of the rationales there. Moen Ali hasn't got a look on this park and if you look at the makeup of the Indian side, they're still going into these games with, um, you know, with two spinners. I don't think it's dire for, for India though. Um, win the toss, win the game is the call out there. Um, some of the pundits suggesting it's almost like an 80-20 rather than a 50-50 uh, when the coin comes up, when you're able to bat second um, under lights, bit of due, pitch coming on, it's adding 20 or 30 to the first innings um, pass score. So look, in a way, I think the real test for both of these sides is going to be in the lead up to this World Cup, finding a way to win um, batting first um, in these conditions, which we're going to see mirrored in the World Cup. So I think, you know, for, for the teams that have had a crack of that, they're probably actually going to learn a lot more, maybe from the way these games are playing out than the results that the games play out. I think England have just played better cricket. I'd agree with that, with we, that as well. I think we're, we're trying to look at it. We're trying to look at it too deeply. England have played better cricket in India, and both of these teams have people to come back in. I'm assuming Joe Root will come back into this side. I don't. I don't I think don't he's. There's a spot for him. I don't think so. I I assume Jasper Bumrah and a number of bowlers might come back into the Indian side. That's probably but, a fair assumption. But England England have been better all, all over the park, especially with the ball. Wood, Jordan, and Archer uh, have really led, led from the front. I find it interesting the Indian batting lineup. Virat Kohli is sort of surrounding himself with with hitters, people who are gonna gonna dash where he can sort of anchor in innings. I think that England, especially in that third game we just saw, if Virat Kohli had not scored that seventy seven in the first innings, that game would have been all over a lot quicker than we think. Uh, and the main thing that's really Playing with my head actually a little bit is have the Curran brothers switched hairstyles? <laughs> have you noticed that, Big C? Yeah, so Sam Curran's gone for the uh, yeah the um, you know the, the sort of the quick approach at the barbers. I think he's got the clippers out. He wants to get in and out in these COVID times. Don't want to spend uh, too long under the cape. Yeah, and and his brother sort of is a bit of a homage to the Peaky Blinders with a bit of a bit of a floppy do. Because Tom switched now to the... Me and you, the worst two people to be talking about uh, hairstyles. Yeah, right? <laughs> but he switched to the brunette hair and the, the headband, the Stuart Broad br- headband. Br- brunette. Yeah, yeah. and um, Curran's got the old white on top lemon underneath the, the tree in Queensland sort of look he's got going on, some kind of surfer. So before before we end the show, and we can't really end the show with you two talking about hair, <laughs> are, are you telling me that we don't have to panic if we're an Indian supporter? Indian supporters don't need to worry about their white ball stuff? I don't think so. I think that India India are always going to be a threat in India. It doesn't matter what, doesn't matter what format you're playing, who's in the team, they're always going to be a, a threat in India. I did want to pick up one talking point, which I think, Binksy and, and me have spoken about it earlier. Ravi Ashwin has mentioned a number of times that he'd like to get back into the white ball setup. Uh, I'd like to get your guys' opinion on that. I guess I'll go first and then I'll, I'll give, give it over to you guys. I actually like uh, Washi, Washington Sundar, as the uh, spinner for 
India. I think he's a natural sort of replacement for Ashwin, and uh, along with uh, Aksar Patel, of course. But, I mean, I don't see any need for Ravi Ashwin to be playing white ball cricket. He's getting on. Uh, let him just play the Red Bull stuff and let's start developing some of these spinners to come through. Washington Sunder's only 21 years old. He needs to get some, some game and game time under his belt. He's going to have some stiff competition in that white ball setup because you haven't mentioned Yuzvendra Chahal there, who's been a, a staple of the Indian side for quite a while. Kuldeep Yadav has probably got the best average of, of any of those guys, I think, when I looked at a, a statistic on Twitter the other day, which should teach me a lesson for looking at statistics on Twitter. But he's going to have a lot of competition to get into that Indian white ball setup. I agree with you, Raj. I think Washington Sundar is a fantastic, fantastic cricketer, and there's all those other guys that you mentioned that are probably ahead of him in the pecking order. And India coming into a World Cup on their home patch have got the right bowling attack to win that tournament. I think I think there are a few people with a lot of power in India at the moment, and those two names you've mentioned are sort of on the outer. Definitely Kuldeep Yadav. If he hasn't, I think he should have played a much bigger part in the Australian summer and, and the, the summer in India where England were there. And um, Chahal actually didn't bowl that well so far in this series. Mm. Uh, but he's Didn't bowl especially well in Australia either, although... Yeah, which is a shame because I really, I really like him as a cricketer. I yeah, I really rate him. He was um, did well in the IPL. Yeah, I just I think he's a tremendous white ball bowler. But I guess he's someone that can get hit. You know, he he's an attacking spinner. Yeah, and he tries to take wickets all the time, and it can mean that at times you you get deposited and and a few bad games, and suddenly you've gone like in that Australia series when they were over here. He went for big runs. It's not just six and over. He was going for eight, you know, ten overs for eighty and things like yeah. that. It, it wasn't pretty. That was tough for him though on really really good batting decks in Australia. That series was that there were a lot of really good batting wickets, and even though the grounds are big in Australia. If you've got a really, really good batting wicket as a leg spinner and the guys get after you and they get the measure of you, we had a look at Zampa. Um, he got pumped in that in that recent uh, white ball series against New Zealand because New Zealand got the measure of him on good batting wickets. So not always easy for a leggy, but I'm, I'm backing him and, and Kuldeep to come back. Uh, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's some guys in that Indian in that Indian lineup right at the top. Let me throw this question back around the table then and ask it in a slightly different way. I would love Ravi Ashwin in my England side as an off spinner. And if I were looking around the world at someone to come into my T20 side for a World Cup that's happening, let, let's not forget in three or four months' time, not debating the quality of uh, Sundar, not debating the quality of Patel and their potential for the game, if you were going to be going, oh, can I have Santna or anyone else as my spinner, nationality notwithstanding, which spinner would you be picking in T20? I bet Ravi Ashwin would be on a lot of people's list. Yeah, and I, I think um, this almost boils down to the question that I'd asked about India, and, and I can't remember. Um, I think Baldy had said that they don't know who to... Like, it, that's the most challenging thing. There's so many options for India, mm. and they all, to me provide slightly different things and that but they all almost are, are at an equal level and you, I mean Ravi Ashwin we've just seen what an amazing bowler he is both in Australia and in India in very different conditions when he was being attacked when he was being you know defended he's a tremendous tremendous bowler and you're absolutely right most teams around the world would love to have him playing all forms of cricket but there's just so many different options, and I, and I think unfortunately, he's someone who's been out of the white ball setup, which means you've got to unseat those people who are already in there, and it's going to take a lot to do that. I think that 
uh, if you if you want to look at the the strategy or the tactics behind how India pick their teams, very rarely do you see them win a white ball game with their bowling. That's why they're such a good chasing side. They like to win the game with their batting. Virat Kohli, their top order. That that's that's how they generally win their white ball games. I'm not saying every time, but that that's and that's their thinking. The spinners that they've picked, they're good spinners who have the ability to swing the willow. Mm. It, it elongates their batting lineup and leaves very few who are in the team purely as a bowler. That's what we were talking about with the New Zealand lineup. If you could get Nisham, uh, Mark Chapman, and Santner into that like six, seven, eight position, we bat so deep. And that, that's what India's doing. You mentioned there's so many people to pick. You've got um, you've got Prithvi Shaw and you've got Patakal just scoring runs left, right and centre in their one-day competition. Mm. I think they're both averaging Enormous over runs. 100, yep. well over 100, 150 they're averaging. Yeah, I think Prithvi Shaw's got over 800 runs in mm. seven games so and Patakal's not far behind him. You could look at KL Rahul who can't get it off the block at the moment. Yeah, it's an embarrassment of riches and almost cause you know causing problems by having so many different players or performing at a high level. Yeah, scary and, stuff. And especially if you're allowed a squad of twenty, it's going to make it even more difficult to pick when we get to that T Twenty mm. um, World Cup. But hey, nice problems to have for both England and India. Uh, an embarrassment of riches uh, for England, probably more in the batting stakes, um, and India. Uh, blessed with a lot of spin options but look this wraps up the podcast for this evening please dip back into the back catalogue we've got some interviews coming as well we'll be speaking with Finn Allen uh, a little bit later in the week and that'll come to air in your podcast feed as soon as we can get it cut and ready to go Um, but for now it's good night it's God bless from all at the Top Order Podcast good night